Welcome back to the My Maria 777 podcast. To be quite honest with you, I truly have no idea what episode this is. Thanks to the old YouTube, baby. Y'all, we've got so much to catch up on. I know I've been a bad girl. I know I've been a bad friend. I know I haven't been here the way that you needed me to be here. But I just, you know, YouTube made me a little crazy. And I was trying to build something there, trying to build something for us there. And I got a little ahead of my britches, you know. I was trying to entice you to come over there, listen to something first. And then I would keep going. And then I wouldn't edit what I needed to edit to get it here to you devout audio-only listeners. I know. I did you a little dirty. And then you know what happened? YouTube did me dirty. And they took my ass down. And I immediately appealed it. And that appeal, despite whatever bot I was likely talking to at the time, assuring me that it would not be a bot to review my appeal, that it would be a genuine human individual who would look at this with a fine tooth comb, I submitted that appeal. And by damn, my (laughs) appeal was denied. Honestly, like not 20 minutes later. So, hi. I've missed you. We're back. We're at it. We are going to uh, fuck the fuck the video. Who needs to see my face? You know, it, life was so much easier before I got doxxed. Life was so much easier before I had to worry about putting this fucking face out there into the world. Let's go back to basics, baby. Welcome back. It's the My Maria 777 podcast, and let's get ready to fucking rumble. That was good. <laughs> so I talked about maybe recording this live on Rumble, despite all the shit I just said. But yeah, if you don't know what Rumble is, it's a video platform. I didn't really know what it was until recently, but I'm there. You should follow me there. I was attempting to set up a live stream and live stream the recording of this podcast. It's just such a fucking double-edged sword. Sword. It's a double-edged sword, y'all. It's a double-edged sword because it does create this peanut gallery that's like in the corner of my mind and my eye and I can see it and I'm trying to acknowledge you but it also throws me off my rhythm here but then at the same time the individual who watches this later in time often tells me that they enjoy the commentary that came from the live chat just hard to make everyone happy you know what I mean but I Got everything set up and then Rumble told me I needed my own streaming platform and I wasn't prepared for that. And then I looked in the mirror that is my reflection in the Zoom meeting and I think I look a little trashy and I didn't want to redo my makeup. Literally redoing the makeup two times in one day just fucking grinds my gears. I'm not an artiste enough to like have it set all day long and honestly just like doing my face and my hair every day 
while I love being a woman, I, I think I've talked to you about this before. If I haven't, you're about to hear it again, but I just find it so interesting that I spend upwards of like an hour and a half each day getting myself ready, painting my face, putting on this war paint just to fucking like even out my skin tone and hide my acne scars. And then I curl my hair or I straighten my hair. It's just so silly, you know? Like I I guess I love, I have great hair. Let me toot my own horn. Toot, toot. I have great hair and I love its versatility and I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. But sometimes I just find it so ridiculous the amount of time and money that I put into this fucking face. <laughs> As old Dolly Parton said, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, hi. We're back. We're at it. We're about to get our shit together. I know I tell you this all the time, but if you're listening, you know you love me and you know... I'm not the most reliable broad at times, but we're getting we're going to get better, baby. Every single fucking time, we are just getting better. Not that my feelings were hurt, not that my ego was bruised. I was just kind of like a YouTube knocked me down and it just felt like an appropriate time for a little break. And sometimes I just get a little daunted with the, what's the word I'm looking for? The division of my time, per se. And uh, as much as I pretend to be this person that has all my shit together, I most definitely do not. And uh, I can be a bit of a slug. You know, I like to call it slug life. I had very much like a slug weekend this last weekend. But it's hard for me to just like, I don't know. This is, I'm not trying to complain to you guys. I'm just trying to tell you where I've been. I've had a lot going on in life and at work, and it's hard to sometimes get here, get behind the mic, get something edited, push it out, make content. Not that I'm making excuses for myself. That's just like been the mindset that I've been in, but I don't want to be in that mindset anymore. I want to be here for you because I miss being back here sometimes. And I was missing it over the weekend And I take notes all the time and obviously I'm like creating content elsewhere, but sometimes, especially when I'm walking Peyton, because we normally go on this like 45 minute walk whenever we go on like our actual walk and I kind of think about the things I would say to you and I was missing you and it's Monday night, baby, and we are alive. It is March 6th, 2023. Should you be listening to this in the future? And it's a weird world out there. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that's happened since I've spoken to you last. Unfortunately, there are some episodes that are just going to be lost in the ether from here on out. Uh, I was a bad girl again when I was doing these live podcasts and I was recording them through YouTube because that was just like the easiest way to do it with my computer. And I didn't back those up because I didn't think I had a reason that they would be coming down anytime soon, so I had not converted them into the audio that needed to happen. And that's why I don't know what episode this is. 
perhaps we should start, I don't know, not start over. I just got to figure it out. Season two. Here we go, baby. We are back. Speaking of being March 6th, let's just, I guess, should I talk about my weekend? Should we jump right in? Should I talk about like personal stuff at the beginning? Should I talk about it at the end? I just don't know. If you know me, I love the toast. It used to be the morning toast. And a great deal of the time, I kind of copy the things that they're doing. They're more of a pop culture podcast. But they usually talk about themselves in the beginning. So let's chit-chat a little about the weekend. And then we'll jump right in. And then perhaps we'll talk. I mean, y'all, we got a lot to catch up on. A lot. Uh, And so maybe we'll talk about dating and relationships at the end. I don't know. Okay. What did I do this weekend? Friday. Oh, this is a slug weekend for me. And I guess this kind of parlays into a discussion about sleep debt. Sleep debt being a piece of terminology that I have encountered over the last probably 30 or 60 days. Likely on TikTok is where I saw it first. But it was talking about the concept of how an individual needs like 8 to 10 hours of sleep per night. And when you get less than that, you are in a sleep deficit. And if you allow a deficit to like compound, you can't just make it up with like a couple extra hours on the weekend. Like it was making sleep debt seem like it was this like hour for hour type of situation that if I sleep on average four hours per night and I should be sleeping eight hours per night, let's do some, I mean, that's what, like 20, I can't think, 28 hours that I'm missing I should be getting per week, and then if I just sleep two hours on the weekend, I'm not paying that sleep debt back. But it was talking about how, like, chronic sleep issues like this, you know, it lowers your libido, it messes with your hormones, it messes with your intellect and things like this. So I am very lucky that I don't have any children, (laughs) (laughs) I just have me and the pee and I have no man to speak of either. So I can have these like slug weekends where I lay around and I don't do a great deal. I mean, do all the things I want to do, but I also do a whole lot of nothing and I watch a great deal of television. So I slept so fucking much this weekend. I was paying back all of my sleep debt for some time. Uh, We have a a follower from the Nice Hemp Company in a second. I guess I should look that up right now. She sends me goodies, edibles, and I'll be honest with y'all. I am about to shill her because she's fucking great and she sends me free goods. But I also just want to shill her because I've gone to California. I've gone to Washington and Oregon and Colorado and all these different places where weed is legalized. And I have taken edibles and they do nothing for me. Like I will eat 50 milligrams of edibles and not feel anything in places like this because I think they're mass produced because everything is legal. But our girl makes these edibles and I fucking feel it and it feels good and they put me to sleep and I took one on Sunday 
I mean, sometimes I take them just to see if I can get a little like loopy, a little bit, a little high. And they put me on my ass every single time and I go to sleep and I slept like on and off again, like 10 hours through the day and then ended up sleeping like another 10 hours last night was wonderful. Okay. At the get nice hemp co on Instagram, the nice hemp company, plant-based wellness. This is our friend, our member of the class check them out. On top of that, you can get 15% off with the promo code Maria777. She sends me little like candies. She sends me suckers. I took some of the suckers to a recent concert that I went to. I really like them. She sends me like all of them have like CBD and THC, different quantities and shit. Check her out. Use the code they're fucking phenomenal. They actually make me feel something for like. <laughs> That's a twofold thing right there. They made me feel something. And they made me feel something. All that to say, I took one of those yesterday. I paid my sleep debt back. I had a slug weekend. Didn't do anything Friday night. Made some pasta at home with the P-Man. And then... Y'all, I've been doing hot yoga, and I've been a hot yoga girly for a great deal of time. I used to do it after I graduated law school, and I was plain wife. Who is she? <laughs> I know one of you is going to be like, oh my God, are you married? Yes, very brief amount of time. We'll talk about that at another day, but plain wifey, I used to go to hot yoga all the time. Now, I have started moving my body again. I am very lucky that I am in decent shape, even though I have not worked out seriously in a long fucking time. I used to do Orange Theory all the time, and we'll come back to this. I think it's a little too hard on my body, but let's say, I guess it's been January, this whole, I, I'm going to have to talk to you as if I've told you nothing, because I can't remember exactly what's on the audio only that has come through that hasn't been deleted now by YouTube but some things I have done in the new year one of which is started pushing my body a little bit and I'm going back to hot yoga I do that on Saturdays so I did that this Saturday and I just fucking love it I literally love it I look forward to it all week I unfortunately don't have time in conjunction with the schedule that it puts out to really like do it at all during the week but like Saturday morning 10 a.m me and my hot yoga like ooh, I don't know I almost made this a story over the weekend and I thought it just like me and the girls I, I just literally find myself saying this all the time my mom and I were talking today on the way home and I was saying something like you know, I just really am one of those women who, like, appreciate gender roles. I wish I could find a man that, like, appreciates gender roles like I do with me. Like, same frame set. And I was thinking about that as I was working all of last week, going to hot yoga on Saturday. Just like, damn. All this work is for the birds. <laughs> all them fake birds out there. <laughs> You know, our grandmothers fought for the right to work. Our mothers instilled in us this, like, 
be this independent woman and take care of yourself and work and make your own money. And uh, that's all so nice and well and good, but this work is for the bird. Sometimes it would just be nice to go to hot yoga every day. <laughs> cook, cook a meal every night. Going back to basics. I guess it's essentially what I was doing when I was being a wife uh, when I really got into hot yoga before. Anyways, this has been a, a long tirade just to say I'm trying to take care of myself. I am going to the gym tomorrow morning. Drum roll, please. Let's get ready to rumble. I wanted to play the like, dun, 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 dun but I can't do that because of fucking copyright issues. Anyways, going to go to the gym. And I used to be this big, uh, I hate cardio, but I love to lift some weights. I have not lifted weights in fucking years. And I used to have these tone ass legs and I have lost all my muscle tone. So we're going to work on those again. But to my ladies out there, when I did Orange Theory, either a third of the class or a half of the class is dedicated to running, and I am not a runner whatsoever. I can sprint, but I do not like running. So I used to do this kind of like hybrid thing with Orange Theory, but one of the options that you could do that I started doing a lot back then was just the walking component instead of running or sprinting, and then they would add this like intense incline. And honestly, that's when my ass looked the best. So I have been influenced and I've done this before in my life, but I've really been influenced as of late with the 12, 3, 30, where you walk at a 12% incline at a three rate of speed for 30 minutes, 12, 3, 30. I'm going to crank it up to 15. I'm probably going to keep it at three and I'm going to try to do 45 minutes to an hour and I'm going to start doing this three times a week in conjunction with my hot yoga and maybe a little bit of weights. But I've had all these issues with polycystic ovary syndrome and my hormones and losing weight. And finally now in my mid-30s, I'm like where I need to be. But I've talked a lot about this with you over the years that we've been together on the podcast. And all of that to say is that I think the, like really intense stuff that I was doing for a long time of like hit like high intensity high intensity interval training and all the intense weightlifting I really think for me it's now more about moving my body in like a slower manner with some yoga and we're going to try this 12 3 30 more like 15 3 45 but yeah, I'm going to get my ass in shape, y'all. It's March 6th. I get it. But it basically feels like summer to me. <laughs> and I know summer begins technically on June 21st. But where I grew up at least, May was essentially summer. Because you had a couple weekends of school. It didn't really go to the end of May like it does now. And then the the pool in the neighborhood was always opening like mid to late May. And so whenever the pool opens, like that feels like summer to me. So now I back that up to May 1st. And then when it hit March 1st, I was like seeing these TikToks that were telling me like, 
you know it's essentially 60 days until May. So we've like got 60 get days to get your shit together. So, you know, your girl's feeling good. I feel like I'm looking good. We're just going to make it better and we're going to make it tight and we're going to pop it for fucking summer. <laughs> I shared this so many times last summer. A, because I just, it was fucking hilarious. And B, it was like, the love I was trying to manifest for my life. But I feel as though I found it around this time last year. And it was just like a very simple tweet that was like, are you spitting tequila in my mouth this summer? Yes or no. <laughs> Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you. Uh, but I mean, I'm back to like, who is going to be spitting tequila in my mouth this summer? And we weren't there last summer, but we're going to be fucking ready this summer. And we're going to be looking good. And we're going to be ready to pop it. <laughs> I don't know if this is the apropos time to talk about it because I feel like it parlays. But I say all of this shit. I talk all of this shit. And I, again, am probably one of the horniest people you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> who is essentially celibate and never has sex and complains all the time about the fact that I can never have sex. Like, okay, so I went out this weekend. I went and took myself out to dinner at Jeff Ruby because I love their sushi and I had hamachi and this fucking uh, incredible roll that has like filet mignon and lobster in it. It was delish. And I take myself on these dates all the time and I'm hoping to have this like perfect wonderful meat cute you know me you know the way I talk about it and it never happens but I always find feel as though excuse me that I'm like putting myself out there I go out I go places anyways and I'm always complaining to you or Chaney or whomever will listen about how bad I want to get laid and even when I try to get laid it doesn't happen but I will say all of that to say is that I don't know. It's just such a weird place to be in dating wise. And I don't mean to like get too graphic with like sex life talk, but for my single people that are out there, I feel like you're probably maybe on the same page as me. I don't know. It's, it's like the Catholic in me. I didn't, you've heard this story before. I didn't realize exactly what casual sex was. So I was like 22 and then I just never did it. And then I like had this renaissance in my thirties and decided I was going to be like, I make a joke that I should have been a slutty in college, but I wasn't. And as much as I like want to connect with someone physically, the more that I ascend, the higher that I vibrate, the deeper that I go, the more like trauma that I work on, the more I get to know myself I can still be the horniest motherfucker that exists, but I, I really don't want to do the things that I talk about. I really don't want to meet someone casually, have any sort of casual encounter. And as time goes on and I don't meet anyone, it's fine because I, I, I don't get great opportunities, but I kind of get these little opportunities that I could open up and essentially exploit if I wanted to. But then when like push comes to shove, I really don't like one of my friends. I can't give you this whole story. I don't want to be too much. How do I say this? I have a friend in an open relationship 
whose girl is like into the idea of everyone hooking up and I'm automatically not into that whatsoever. So like, yes, like does the, the universe present me with an opportunity to have sex? Do I want it? No, not at all. So this individual is not with the girlfriend, like she's out of town. And so he presented it to me. Like, do you want to hook up today? We've been talking, you've like suggested it. We've talked about it. He wants to do it. And, um, like he knows me, he knows Maria. If you're listening to this, I love you. Don't get mad at me for exploiting this, uh, story. But he like said it to me today and I was just like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't know. Does anyone else feel this way? It's like, I'm getting to know the levels of myself so much more and I'm so interested in connecting in like all the right ways that even though I don't have a great deal of experience with like the casualness of a relationship like it's been intriguing it's been something I've like wanted to explore but the closer that I get to it I just like I don't think I have any capability of actually doing it that way like despite how much should I talk despite the uh, level of unsatisfactoriness unsatisfaction what am I trying to say the level of unsatisfaction with the physicality of my sexual existence I don't know all of that to say like you get presented with these opportunities and I think that's what I want and it's just not what I want at all And I know you hear me talk about love all the time. And we'll talk about some more about some love at the end of the podcast, I suppose. But, you know, I just, I just want to be wild with one person. And I have a great, beautiful, wonderful fucking life. I wish I had more sex in it. But then I get presented with the opportunity. It just ain't it. I think it's the, for my astrology people out there, my son is in Scorpio and I'm in the 29th degree in this lifetime, which is like one degree to 29 degrees you can be in whatever sign you are in a specific house or planet or whatever is going on for you. So my son is in the 29th, like I'm the most fucking Scorpio person ever and I just can't get laid to save my life. What an oxymoron, you know? That is my life. Okay. I think we've caught up enough now. What are we, 27 minutes in? That uh, let's move on and talk about some other shit. What did I put on my list to talk to you about? Okay. It's Monday. It's March 6th. And I said something today. Because I woke up early. It was like 5.45 when I took pee out. We usually um, come out a little bit later than that. Normally in the 5 o'clock hour, there's absolutely no sun. There was sun this morning. And I took a picture of the sun rising and said, Can you believe that daylight saving time begins on Sunday? Six days from now. And 
I got some messages from you that were saying, I thought we weren't doing that anymore. I heard that they did away with that. So let's have a little rant on daylight saving time. And somebody was quick to point out to me today, as I called it daylight savings time, that it's not plural, it's daylight saving. So I find this discussion to just be such an interesting conversation about the federal government, about states' rights, about just like all of that in general. Like the idea of a uniform time. Why isn't the whole world on a uniform time at this juncture? Like I think it might sound a little crazy at first, but the more you consider it, I think it makes so much fucking sense. So I read, though, that the Senate passed legislation regarding daylight saving time, but I don't believe that it was passed by the House or ratified uh, by law by good old Uncle Joe Biden last year. So things that I found interesting. Because you think of the idea like... There are certain territories and states that like do not participate in daylight saving time. For example, the state of Arizona. So at the end of the day, what most of us truly enjoy is actually what's about to occur when we spring forward and we observe daylight saving time. The period of time in which we just existed from November until March is actually like normal, if anything is normal, real, if anything is real, time. That's the time that it like quote unquote should be. And then we spring forward from March until November. And if we were to abolish the idea of daylight saving time, I would hope that we would actually exist in the period of daylight saving time, not in the other period where it feels like everything gets dark really earlier, like the day, yeah, I guess time whatever you know what I'm trying to fucking say ay 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 okay i think this just gets into such an interesting discussion of what is a state's right versus what should be observed by the federal government what power the the government truly should have you know if you're here you know that we are like john locke liberals and not liberal versus like Republican and Democrat, like a true classic liberalist that believes in uh, libertarianism to an extent, like if I had to label myself in some way, but basically like fuck you to the federal government, the smallest government should possibly fucking exist. So truly, in my opinion, the idea of, first off, you just have to ask like, is time a federal question? Is the observance of time, is the some sort of requirement that exists that like we exist on a uniform time? And oh wait, there's something called the Uniform Time Act. This is some of the overview. The United States Department of Transportation oversees the nation's time zones. The oversight of time zones was assigned to the Department of Transportation because standards are important for many modes of transportation. The DOT also oversees the nation's uniform observance of daylight saving time. However, the Department of Transportation does not have the power to repeal 
or change daylight saving time, nor does the Department of Transportation have any role to play in the state's determination whether to observe daylight savings time. If a state chooses to observe it, it must begin and end on federally mandated dates. Under the Uniform Time Act, states may choose to exempt themselves from observing daylight saving time by state law. States do not have authority to choose to be on permanent daylight saving time. What? Y'all, that is so interesting. Let's read that last line again. PP just looked at me as I, like, screamed. It's okay, baby. States do not have the authority to choose to be on permanent daylight saving time. Hey, federal government, where do you think you get any authority to tell me what I can and can't fucking do? Let alone tell this, like, that federal law preempts state law in this way. I think I didn't get to do enough research, but I saw that it was talking about the Uniform Time Act as amended, meaning that one existed prior to the one that currently exists now. Don't take my word on this because I haven't researched it, but I think the amendment allowed states to opt out of the observation of daylight saving time, like the state of Arizona, who will not spring forward like everyone else come Sunday. And this is so interesting for me because we've got Eastern time, we've got Central time, we've got Mountain time, we've got Pacific time. So on Sunday, let's call it uh, if... California is noon, Mountain Time would be 1, Nashville would be 2, Knoxville would be 3. So if I were to travel from no- from excuse me Nashville to Colorado, I would lose an hour and it would be 1 o'clock there instead of 2 o'clock in Nashville. And then if I were to go on a road trip, I would stay in the time zone until I got to the state of Arizona where then I would slip back into the 2 o'clock hour. And then if I were to go to California, I would slip then two hours back. Just so interesting. So very interesting. Okay, let's see. Let's see. The time zones established by Standard Time Act. I feel like I had another thing that I was going to tell you, but I feel like I zipped or I zipped right over it. Okay. Federal oversight of time zones began in 1918 with the enactment of the Standard Time Act, which vested the Interstate Commerce Commission with the responsibility for establishing boundaries between the time zones, between the standard time zones in the continental United States. This responsibility was transferred from the Interstate Commerce Commission to the Department of Transportation when Congress began the Department of Transportation in 1966. Today, The Uniform Time Act of 1966 establishes a system of uniform daylight saving time throughout the nation and its possessions and provides that either Congress or the Secretary of Transportation can change a time zone boundary. I think I just wanted to go back to say that I believe that they created the Uniform Time Act and they did not give the state the ability to opt out. And then they probably did a little bit of like looking inside and realizing they didn't have the authority to really do any of this, let alone tell the state what it can or can't do. And so it amended it and then gave the ability for states like Arizona to opt out. 
But now that I hear this, the thing that I was saying that I would hope would happen would be that states would adopt daylight savings time as I just want to fucking say savings, you know, it's been killing me the entire time to do this. But states do not have the authority to choose to be on permanent daylight saving time. Why, federal government? Why? Oh, why? Tell me. Riddle me this, Batman. It's the best time to be on if we're going to choose anything. Give me those days in June and July and August where the sun doesn't set until like 8 o'clock at night down on the bio. (laughs) The bio. Oh, there's no bayous in fucking Knoxville or Nashville. But man, did I fuck that up trying to make a joke. Ay, 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 ay. Okay. Hold on. Had to take a little sip. All of that to say, I think time is weird. I think the observation of time is weird. I think time zones are weird. I think daylight savings time is weird. I think daylight saving time is weird, too. And I think it's a very interesting discussion of what is inherently the state's right that the federal government is commandeering, that the federal government is exceeding its jurisdiction and power on. And then now to come to find out that they have like further made a law that states like the state could not even consider observing daylight saving time all the time. It's just so fucking interesting. Like that literally makes me want to sue the federal government just to sue the federal government over this issue and this issue only. (laughs) This is what I wish I had, you know, a venture capitalist boyfriend or some sort of billionaire benefactor. This is why I don't believe that white hats truly exist. I mean, I guess if you're a billionaire white hat, you just like don't truly give a fuck. But the benevolent white hat billionaire benefactor like it would be nice to have somebody like that that would just like throw a little money at me when I'm like dear daddy warbucks I would like to sue the federal government to prove that it's exceeding its jurisdiction regarding the issue on observation of daylight saving time for the state being prohibited and (laughs) that federal preemption being a violation of the constitution (laughs) like How I would love to write a brief on that issue if only that white hat daddy warbucks existed. You know, like now that I have been defamed by YouTube, now that I have been taken down by YouTube, I think I have a cause of action there. I actually, I honestly think this. I think if I properly sued them... With what has occurred with Elon Musk and the Twitter files and the disclosures of the federal government intervening into a private company to suppress speech, if you could convince a court that uh, this is a public forum by the government's intervention, if you could establish an agency principal relationship between the federal government and Twitter, if you could then make them, I don't even remember what it is now, they're either supposed to be a publisher or a platform, I think they have publisher rights right now, whatever it is, if you could take a, have a court of competent jurisdiction to rule 
the agency principal relationship to rule that this is now a public forum and then thereby the federal government is restricting speech in a public forum or a semi-public forum through this agency principal relationship in violation of the First Amendment and then for it to be up for a strict scrutiny analysis by the Supreme Court, like that is what I would love to do with my life and my law degree. So, Daddy, if you're out there <laughs> and you want to support these type of legal, what's the word? Not escapades. Adventures in suing the federal government. Please slide into my DMs and let me know. <laughs> I have all of these like other business ideas, like true, great, fucking like a business idea for a bar, like this bachelorette company I have in my mind. Like I just... I need a rich man who just wants to support my dreams. <laughs> what a tall order, Maria, when you can't even get laid or accept getting laid. I I just don't know who I want to be when I grow up, guys. I just don't know who I want to be or where I want to live. It sounds silly. But I feel as though my life is on pause until I meet, like, my soulmate. Like, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know who I want to be. I'm going to cough. <coughs> I just want to be in love. Like, everything else will work itself out, you know? I think I said on some sort of, like, live or podcast or something that, like, I would, I would give enlightenment up if I got to have, like, a sweet, loving relationship where I got to cook for my man every night. Like, I would eat the steak. I would be cipher. Anyways, fuck love. Okay. This is like a crossover discussion between Bravo, celebrity, politicians, and Vril, generally, the Illuminati. Okay. If you are a Bravo girly, if you are a Bravo dude who watches with his girl, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. There is a housewife named Heather Dubrow from Real Housewives of Orange County. Rich beyond, like, the imagination. Her husband is a plastic surgeon. He had his own television show. They are tryhards for Bravo. There was a time in which they weren't on Bravo. They they went off and then they came back with a fucking vengeance. Terry Dubrow had his television show going on at the same time. But they like put out for the celebrity of it all. They are making that money. I mean, they had crazy money before all this began. I can only imagine they have obscene amounts of money at this point with their multiple TV shows and brand deals and the way that coming back to reality TV has catapulted them to like a different like next another level of wealth and they were already on a crazy level of wealth what I find interesting about them is they're always like shilling out with what's going on in their lives like they're the type of individuals that would probably call the paparazzi on themselves I think they have twin 
the eldest children are twins, one of which the female is bisexual. And that was a storyline on Real Housewives of Orange County. And then subsequently a storyline in which I think the daughter wrote a book. Like it's just part of their whole identity at this point is like celebrating her sexuality. Nothing wrong with that. Celebrate your sexuality. It's just uh, especially on the nose when you're this type of family and you're clearly putting it to the forefront to capitalize on it on a monetary wise. Don't judge you. Just let's call a spade a spade. What uh, is now interesting is that they had a fourth child named Coco, I believe, a girl. And this weekend, Coco came out as trans and is now going by Ace. And I think it's perhaps like 12 years old. And I'm not necessarily attempting to get into a conversation with you about trans or introduction to children or that type of thing. That's not really necessarily what the conversation is about. Like all of that is what it is, whatever way you feel or don't feel about it. I would imagine that we're all generally on the same page. What I was just wondering with Cheney, as we talked last week and over the weekend after this disclosure was made, is that, um, you know, we're always evaluating life through varying levels of the PSYOP. And we always have to wonder, like, everything is very intentional. So the idea of coming out as trans now and capitalizing on it uh, for your 12-year-old is just kind of disgusting, in my opinion, But, you know, again, it is what it is. You're a celebrity family. You're doing everything to probably attempt to become that billionaire status. So they're going to go ahead and do it. But I was just contemplating the idea of the trans child. I think Cheney brought up Magic Johnson having a gay son that I think is trans. Maybe Cheney seemed to think that he was. And he... uh, if he isn't transitioning, he I know he cross-dresses a lot. I used to watch him on Rich Kids of Beverly Hills, EJ Johnson. And um, she was saying, like, Magic Johnson, like, the biggest guy at the time, like, celebrity of the celebrity, so popular. And, you know, was the HIV just, like, you allegedly have HIV and like you're the healthiest motherfucker that exists despite all these people dying around you uh, at that time but you also have this trans child so like I didn't do enough research prior to this podcast and I would hello oh okay I thought I did something wrong sorry I would challenge you to do some research and get back to me and like let's have a further discussion on this in the next episode I was just wondering about the prevalence of the trans child to the celebrity and if that is perhaps like part of the ritual or perhaps it's part of a new ritual in like if we believe in the Illuminati, like if we believe in some sort of elite and we take a very like biblical approach and like perhaps you have to sacrifice something, could it be that you have to like sacrifice your child and its sexuality in some way and like force it to change as part of like a ritual as part of some sort of offering to the like the church of whatever they believe in per se 
I just thought that was an interesting discussion. And then I wanted to tie that connection wise, kind of in conjunction with the idea of the boot. So in a second, we can make a reference to all the celebrities that often have like the one eye uh, bruise. It appears as though they've like been punched in some way. But I was pointing out recently the boot because, ooh, shit, who was the one that originated the discussion as of late? I was talking about the idea of the boot, and I posted some pictures of Biden in the boot, of Dr. Jill Biden in the boot, of um, lots of, like, heads of state, lots of celebrities have been pictured in the boot, the walking boot. Naturally, I can't find this when I want to find it. And most recently, I saw the governor of Ohio and also LeBron James. Like, literally the day that I posted about this, LeBron James is pictured in a boot at some sort of basketball game. And so, for a great deal of time, we have asked the question, is this an ankle monitor? You know, because we, a great deal of us came from the QAnon days who, and hold on, I need a sip. Okay, I just got to say, I'm going to go on tangents upon tangents upon tangents. I'll try to stay on track. But if you're ever one of those people that like come out and say like, it was never QAnon. It really was in the very beginning, like when we didn't have anything to research, we didn't know where to go. These drops were coming and you were trying to find people to connect with. You searched hashtag QAnon. So the people that come out now and be like, it was never that. I'm like, how do you ever fucking say that? If you like, if you were there, that was literally the only hashtag we used at times before it got banned. Anyways, what the fuck was I saying? Okay. Back in the old Q days it was ever the suggestion that there were military tribunals going on at the same time that people were going down in secrecy that these boots meant something and they had ankle monitors oh I remember what I was going to say one of the main characters with a boot prior to his death was no name McCain. And again, this was like right in the heydays of Q. No name McCain had a boot on and the boot would go back and forth on different legs at different times. And so in preparation for the posts that I was making, I remember what I was saying now, in preparation for the most, the posts that I was making, I found this article that purported to explain that no name McCain like literally had an explanation for. I'm sorry, I just burped. From I gotta cut that out. He had an explanation for why the boot went back and forth. Like he was like, "Oh my bad." Like sometimes one gets stiff or something like that. Like what? What? Okay. This is what's also going on at the same time. John Thaler of the Harris Thaler Law Firm claims that he uncovered absolute proof showing that the Sinaloa cartel, formerly led by El Chapo, 
bribes high-ranking officials in Arizona, including Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, Chris Mays, etc. The cartel allegedly uses this influence to rig Arizona elections, launder, mo- launder money using false trustees for single-family purchases, successfully traffic drugs in humans across the southern border, etc. It is a real-life fucking Queen of the South. If you haven't watched Queen of the South, I highly recommend. It gets a little weird at the end, but it's a great show. It talks about shit like this. And in a show like Queen of the South, you literally see how the cartel runs everything. And look, life is just like a movie, allegedly. And fucking... Katie Hobbs, who was allegedly fraudulently elected in the last election, is a product of the Sinaloa cartel. So I saw that, and then I saw this picture of Katie Hobbs wearing a fucking walking boot. So did the fake governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, get the no-name boot treatment? In light of her alleged involvement with the cartel, Could this be an ankle monitor? If I take the glittery red pill, could there be justice? Are there actually white hats? Anons remember the discussion surrounding no-name McCain and how his ever-switching walking boot was actually potentially covering an ankle monitor. Now, we've talked about dog comms recently too, and I also noted how um, the one picture that I had showed of Biden said in December 2020, Biden shows off a new accessory, a walking boot. He got a hairline fracture in his right foot that he suffered while playing with his German shepherd dog, Major. Senator John McCain on Thursday clarified that his walking boot is on his right foot, added that he switched it to his left to give it a break. Okay, guys. Okay. I also, there was a video back in the day of like March 2020, right around the time that COVID was beginning and everybody was getting locked down, that there was a video of our dear Oprah Winfrey making a carbonara, wearing a flowy pant. And if you look at the angle at the right time and her right foot, you see a clear, distinct box. A box that quite literally looks like an ankle monitor. So I originally asked the question of you, did fake Katie Hobbs get the no-name treatment? But then as time went on last week and I thought about it more, because, you know, your girl is black-pilled and pragmatic, and I want to believe that my white knight is coming to save me and throw me over his shoulder... Until then, I don't think anyone's coming to save me. And I think that obviously about the United States and life and reality and all these different things. Um, So could it be that there are no military tribunals, that these are not ankle monitors? What if this is like a next level sacrifice type situation? You know, we can have a discussion now about this bruise that we see on people's eyes, these kind of singular eye bruises that often look like somebody got a black eye. 
we often discuss that with some sort of like membership and the Illuminati, the elites, the whatever the fuck you want to call them, that that means something. So what if the boot has nothing to do with an ankle monitor and it's more of like a next level, like a level up and what like whatever club we're talking about. Like almost, you know, you hear those stories of the guys that are in a fraternity and they're given a puppy and they raise the puppy for the semester and then they have to kill the puppy as part of their like ritual initiation. What if not only can you sacrifice the sexuality of your child to attain a certain level, but perhaps you have to like break your own ankle or perhaps your ankle has to be broken in some way and that small sacrifice is some sort of level up. I don't know. But I found it very interesting that both Katie Hobbs has worn one recently, the governor of Ohio, in wake of, you know, a Chernobyl-level alleged incident in East Palestine, and then also Miss LeBron James, all wearing boots. What do they mean if? anything please discuss amongst yourselves and get back to me and let me know if you find any other elites who we would consider have sacrificed their child in some way that's I'm not even even talking about death you can throw some death in there if you want but do you know any other people that have trans kids now I know I've been saying this for a long time and by a long time I mean probably like 60 days or so (laughs) um But I have this very interesting dig that I'm working on. Sometimes it's just so difficult to like take all of my thoughts and try to fit them into 10 slides with some sort of like overarching narration that you're going to understand in the absence of like making 10 video slides. Anyways, I have found this connection. Donald Marshall is originally the one talking about how the elite, the Illuminati that we think of are really parasites. They are aliens from another world. They come down here in a parasitic worm form. They enter through the eyeball of the individual in a parasitic host situation. They take over the consciousness. And when they enter in that uh, that type of way, I was trying to make a play on lobotomy, like lobotomical anyways, in that lobotomy way that that causes the bruise that we see and so it's not about these people getting punched in the face and leveling up in in one of those ways it's that they literally have real parasites that are infecting their brain that are like taking over them and being infecting the host and so that discussion I can connect to the Nazis I can connect to this like Nazi society this like real society all very fascinating early 1900s stuff that I continue to work on and not discuss in the way that I want to but I also have this you guys have you taken the panda pill I mean maybe we've I think we've like touched on this a couple of times but I am working on I, I know Cheney and I have talked about it before I'm working on a post. It's essentially like I want it to be one 10 slide post, but it really needs to be like four posts in and of itself because I want to talk about panda diplomacy in and of itself. I want to talk about the idea of pandas themselves and how 
truly insane they are as a species that they're like carnivores yet they eat 20 pounds of bamboo per day and they don't mate in captivity and they're just nonsensical and they don't appear for a period of time anyways I want to talk about the ridiculousness that is a panda in and of itself and then I want to combine the idea of pandas not being real with panda diplomacy you guys panda diplomacy literally is a real thing like the people's republic of china took pandas and used them in bartering ways to like promote diplomacy with other countries and then in the 80s they stopped giving them away as gifts and they only leased them and when i lease a panda to you you have to pay me for it and it's an obscene amount of money and then like I was reading something about the pandas in Canada that FedEx was shipping like 900 pounds of bamboo per month or something ridiculous like that because they eat so much bamboo. Anyway, it's just crazy. Like I was reading this one story about how they were like lazily, haphazardly having sex and the zookeeper was literally like right there and was like actually facilitating the penetration because the two pandas were so lazy that like the tail was getting in the way and like preventing penetration it's just quite literally crazy like are pandas real what is actually like if it's not real is it someone inside like what are they laundering when they lease a panda to a country it's just fascinating truly fascinating impossible to condense into 10 slides but baby I'm working on it speaking of the celebrity you guys I don't think any of these people are listening to this podcast or perhaps this you know far in to a podcast like this but you know everything is a psyop <laughs> All the world's a stage, the men and women merely players. And Woody Harrelson came out on SNL a couple of weeks ago and made this analogy about this um, movie script he got comparing the cartel to drug companies. It was just like a very on-the-nose thing about COVID and vaccines and blah, 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 blah. Government, blah, 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 blah. And it is a little baby red pill. For sure. It's, it is cracking the eggshell of some individual out there ever so slightly who has got their fucking like dick wet with Woody Harrelson and finally listened to some reason. Okay. You know, you could say that uh, Epstein was also a great red pill for the masses. The comedy that is his fake suicide, his fake death, was a red pill for certain masses. It most definitely cracked the eggshell of some of you and some people that I know, some normies that I know. But all of that was yet very intentional. We might not know... We might not know, excuse me, we might not know exactly the intentions of something like this or where it's going to go or how it's going to affect or what the purpose was. 
But, you know, I'm going to tell you that Trump is a different side of the same coin. So his involvement, his exposure, this expose, all very intentional, even with Epstein, all very intentional with the whole Ghislaine of we keep asking these questions of why is there no justice? Why is the discovery not been opened? Why do we not know who's on Epstein's client list? Why, 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 why? Where was I fucking going with all this, guys? Oh, Woody Harrelson. I posted about this, about like some connections I'm going to make here in a second. And some of you wanted to defend him. And like, maybe he's breaking his programming. It's like, y'all, are you fucking for real right now? You really like, if there's a headquarters to like the psyops of the psyops at fucking NBC, like it's at SNL y'all. And to think that like, they let Woody Harrelson on there. They let him say all of these things. There was absolutely no reaction from the band members behind him. And it was just like all condoned, like hunky, hunky dory. Like y'all, y'all. In addition to that, you know, I'm going to call him controlled op because I think he's controlled op. I think so many people out there are controlled op. And again, we might not yet know the intention or the purpose or what they're going to do with this individual, but you have to admit that the national outlook from the celebrity level, the politician level, the pharma like the pharmaceutical level, the medical level, the entire narrative is shifting regarding COVID. The entire fucking narrative. Okay? That doesn't just happen, you know, like we're not just winning. They're not just seeing the light. I love you. I want to live in a different world and a better place absent all of this bullshit. But baby, like we're not there yet. So like you got to take a step back. You've got to hone those tools of discernment. You've got to be objective and ask yourself what and why and how and to whom are making these changes because they're very overt and they're very intentional and they are the same things that we have been fucking preaching and losing our lives and our livelihoods over losing family losing friends and all of a sudden we're all back to hunky-dory again like it ain't no thing and Woody Harrelson's on SNL telling you, making jokes about forcing an unnecessary medical procedure upon you all the fucking while. Did you know that his dad was a CIA operative? Like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at my post. I'm sorry. You think Woody Harrelson is some rogue celebrity and SNL let him go on an unscripted rant on national television? Charles Harrison was a wet man, a contract killer. He was allegedly involved in the assassination of JFK. In the revelation of the method, the predictive programming, the soft disclosure of it all. Do you remember your boy Woody Harrelson being in the movie Natural Born Killers? Isn't it interesting that Woody Harrelson starred in Natural Born Killers while his father is in fact a natural born killer? Like Homeboy came out and was like, yeah, I've been killing people for years. Let's see. 
He was one of the three people that were believed to be behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll involved in JFK's assassination. He was hired to hit a federal judge and took him out. John H. Wood. It was believed in 1979 he was paid $250,000 by drug dealers to assassinate that judge. When he was later arrested, he confessed to being one of the gunmen who killed President John F. Kennedy. So you guys think, and I don't mean you guys, that there are people out there that think that like, oh my gosh, Woody Harrelson is breaking his programming. Praise Jesus. (laughs) This is just another interesting Easter egg. In the movie No Country for Old Men, the sheriff, Tommy Lee Jones, his character mentions, quote, a few years ago, they shot a judge down there in Texas. And he's making reference to Woody Harrelson's father while Woody Harrelson is in the movie. I wonder, this person says, I wonder what kind of effect it would have on your life to know that your father was a hitman. Let's see. Somebody else says from the start of his monologue to the end, it was ripe with deep esoteric Freemasonry symbolism. He said purple. We know what purple means. He even taps into knowledge of the spine and its relation to the tree of life. Oh, I kind of want to read this to you. It might take me a minute or so. But like, I don't know. If we were to talk about just, psyops in general of like controlling the narrative regarding like fear-based programming and uh somebody said i don't see any comments about harrelson's final prison location adx florence the supermax prison in florence colorado okay these are all people that were allegedly there i believe at the same time no not the same time maybe the same time let's go through it together The facility is best known for housing inmates who have been deemed too dangerous, too high profile, or too great a national security risk for even a maximum security prison. These include the leaders of violent gangs who had continued to issue orders to their members from lower security facilities, including Larry Hoover of the Gangster Disciples and Barry Mill and Tyler Bingham of the Aryan Brotherhood, ADX also houses foreign terrorists, including Zacharias Musau, the only person convicted in civilian court for the September 11th attacks. uh, Faisal Shazad, the perpetrator of the 2010 Times Square car bombing attempt. And Ramzi Youssef, mastermind of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, as well as domestic terrorists, including serial bombers Ted Kaczynski and Eric Rudolph, Timothy McVeigh, who carried out the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, was housed at ADX before he was sentenced to death in 1997 and transferred to the United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute, which houses federal death row inmates. McVeigh's co-conspirator, Terry Nichols, is serving 161 life sentences at ADX. Robert Hansen, the former FBI agent who betrayed several spies to the Soviet Union and Russia, is serving 15 life sentences at ADX for his crimes. The prison also houses inmates who are at high escape risk, including Richard McNair, who escaped from a county jail and two other prisons before being sent to ADX. 
Additionally, former Bonanno, 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 crime family boss uh, Vincent Basciani, Basciano, yeah, Basciano, Vincent Basciano is currently serving time in ADX Florence. Okay. Isn't that just interesting to consider? If all the world is a stage and the men and women are merely players, if the world runs on scripts, if the architects write everything and everything is about fear-based programming and like perhaps they're never like human vibration has an entire theory on serial killers, like just not being real. Now, obviously I'm not saying that like the people didn't die, but I'm saying like the narrative is contrived especially you know me I love to make a tv and movie reference because that's what your girl does I recently watched Homeland again all the way through this time I hadn't seen the last couple seasons it was fucking incredible I immediately want to rewatch it but you watch something like that you watch a little fuck up that the CIA CIA allegedly makes and the way that they clean it up the way that they clean up hits the way that they clean up people who died and the shit that they make up how can you consider that like anything is real so I read that paragraph with all of those people that allegedly did all of these things and these bombings and is any of that real this big prison like does it exist but are there is there anyone there if you ever watch Silence of the Lambs and the movies thereafter and you watch how they transport him crazy shit there's some movie I'm gonna butcher it it's it's Sylvester Stallone and he like intentionally gets picked up to like I think it's a private facility do you ever think about that like the private prisons that might exist you know like if I owned my own security company like a la Blackwater and I had the right people and the right money and the right real property when we talk about like like human trafficking as it relates to women and children but I don't know that's just weird things that I think about I'm just wondering do any of these people exist this is a real place I don't know. I'm taking it a little extreme, I guess. Is Ted Kaczynski even real? Is Jeffrey Dahmer even real? That's a great podcast that HV and I did that tickled people's pickles and got them all riled up. Remember, just because I call something a psyop does not necessarily mean I'm saying it's not real or didn't happen can still be fake and contrived and scripted because the psyop is always about conveying information y'all okay a little random aside as I'm looking at my Instagram did you see where Ford is coming out with a car that can now repossess itself done 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 You will own nothing and you will love it. Ford has filed for a patent that would allow its vehicles to self-repossess. 
which would include the ability for the vehicle to drive itself to the repossession agency. The application for, quote, systems and methods to repossess a vehicle includes an outline of the technology which details Ford's ability to remotely disable components of the vehicle. The software can be installed in any vehicle with an internet connection. And I guess obviously that is self-driving. I am sure that this has nothing to do with you and your future social credit score. Now, I saw somebody immediately comment when I posted this last week. They were like, don't worry about me. I'm going to go ahead and pay that motherfucker off. I won't have to worry about missing a payment. Baby girl, that is not the point here. The point is that even if you were to pay cash for your vehicle, your car is still going to have this technology inside of it. They are still going to be able to recall your vehicle with the flip of a fucking switch whenever they want. And this is just the precursor, the stepping stone, the building block for when we become China in a fucking black mirror nosedive and everything is social credit score and you and I talk about what we talk about on here, I talk, you listen, our social credit scores go down and perhaps they inhibit our ability to fucking just drive the vehicle that we thought we owned outright. Just a crazy world out there, people. I highly suggest being a little insane like me and buying yourself a a bronco obviously not everyone has an ability I know but that's the one thing I do really love about that vehicle is that like she's so old school there's not an internet connection in sight you will not be able to ever take that back from me and I will ride it ride Juanita into the zombie apocalypse Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Okay. Oh, let's shift back. I didn't get to finish my discussion on all Woody Harrelson. Because that whole discussion parlays for me into the discussion about the narrative shifting. And people were coming out saying, oh, Maria, maybe he's different. Maybe maybe growing up with that kind of contract killer daddy will make you want to stand up for what's right. There are no there are no good guys. There are no white hats. Do you know what they're doing? Our side of the aisle is getting big. The narrative is shifting for a reason and we'll go into the potential on why coming up. But when you can see something happening, the opportunist is going to get in on that while they can. And so I think, if nothing else, the shift in celebrity is just because we want people to believe in. We want to believe that are people that are on our side. So why not be a celebrity that's, you know, Woody Harrelson-esque, Matthew McConaughey-esque, come in here and be our hero and stand up for what we believe in because that's becoming popular. Let me capitalize it on it monetarily and let me step into the shoes of this white knight that we are all fucking looking for. It's very on brand to shift in my opinion. So, 
Why are they suddenly reversing so hard on the COVID narrative? All of a sudden, it does not seem organic. After shaming the even slightest trace of a lab leak Wuhan theory back in late 2019, back in early, I mean, for the entirety of the year of 2020, it was racist. It was conspiratorial. I mean, do you remember the way that they turned on Trump when he said that it came from China? Now, all of a sudden, like, that narrative is shifted and the Wuhan story is for real. Like, this is such a setup, in my opinion. So, like, why now? Why so suddenly? What is going on? And I found the following. This was a Reddit post that I read. And so these were the interesting screenshots that I found. And let's kind of like go through them together. Somebody said, my theory is that there, this is a way to usher in the new world order and get everyone united. This will help the Antichrist rise to power. You can get all the people on board who were persecuted for not taking the vaccine, show the dangers of it at the same time to all of those that took it, and say, look what your world governments did to everyone. Then get everyone united in the outrage over your governments and elect a leader who will then look after everyone, and really it will be the Antichrist. This person goes on to say, I could be completely wrong, but I just do not see how we can make a one world government together any other way apart from getting everyone to turn on their current governments. I think that's an interesting take. I think that combined obviously with Project Bluebeam makes for an interesting discussion of how you could get the, like it would, it would be a very nice like, you know, two hand, uh, two-part punch. I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say, but if you hit him from the left side with how can you trust your government after it mandated this, after it didn't look out for you, look at all these people dying, blah, 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 bullshit. And then also simultaneously come in at the same time and be like, oh shit, the aliens are real. What are we going to do? And then somebody steps out of the masses and is like, let me take care of all of you, even though I only speak one language and um, protect you against the aliens. Let's put all of our armies together. Sure, Jan. Sure. You know, if you know anything about me, you know that I say this all the time. I think this is the biggest PSYOP ever. Project Blue being Blue Beam being a PSYOP within a PSYOP. Because if anything, y'all, then WO is already here. Those people are already in charge. It would be a shaming, mocking ritual to me to then create all of these false flag psyops and then make us essentially choose on a voluntary basis this one world government like that would be the psyop of the psyop you know like that's what they're attempting to do to us because their magic like they have to willingly force feed us their magic but like we have to decide to fucking swallow the load (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even finish saying that out loud. I'm so perverted. My mind's in the gutter. I'm so sorry. It's just so. (laughs) Okay. The sex jokes. I have to stop. I'm so sorry. Okay. The next slide went on to talk about how this theory of. It's time for the rug pull and the suicides to sink in. The next step is the demon side. 
the democide. The step after that is for the pharma companies and the government to offer free drugs to heal those with vaccine damages. And you guessed it, those drugs would then kill more people. What would the step be after that to encourage civil war to allow the two-party dialect to kill themselves? More democide. After that, smart cities, mark of the beast, God killing the rest, you were warned, Revelation of the method, Dharma clear, free will unhindered. That I think is interesting. Like, obviously, I think there could be some sort of, um, I don't know about mass suicide, perhaps, but obviously, pharma companies are going to offer a solution to the problem they created. That's literally their favorite thing to fucking do. That's medicine these days. So, can we expect for there to be free new drugs to heal your vax injuries? Most definitely. Most definitely. Another comment goes on to say that they eventually walk everything back. The narrative served its purpose. The power was seized. Everyone got paid. Now they walk it back so later and upon revision, they can claim that they told the truth. This is the pattern that they do for everything. A lot of people were talking about this fits the China war narrative. I, I think that's a really old contrived thing. I don't think we're actually going anywhere near war. Obviously, I don't think war is real, but I don't think the narrative is going to be a, a true war with China. In the book 1984 by George Orwell, people in Oceania accept that their country has always been at war with either East Asia or Eurasia in different parts of the book. The government in the book is able to change public perception and opinion on a dime via advanced propaganda, which is obviously what's happening here in the last, what, in our entire lives, essentially for maybe like save five years in fucking 1990s, we have been at war in some way. And that is part of a conditioning. Like, obviously, we could see that for sure. Our reality is not far from that. What we were just discussing being an example in 1984. One of the discussions that I find particularly interesting is that terrain theory is beginning to win over germ theory, in my opinion. Picking a fight between the lab leak and the natural evolution crowd keeps a discussion within germ theory, within the germ theory narrative. Like instead of like finally admitting that perhaps like germs aren't fucking real and viruses aren't fucking real and that it's all like literally one of the biggest psyops within the medical industry. Because what you then do, like I have this whole new post I did about electricity and electromagnetism and could all of this perhaps just be like a a consequence of changes like to the grid essentially. Because wouldn't it be interesting if 5G activates COVID type symptoms and if that was real and you knew you were just going to like continue to turn up the dial... And fucking fry all of us proverbially, proverbially, then let's create an entire narrative based on germ theory and viruses that aren't real that we can perpetuate an entire medical and pharmaceutical industry from that we can use as now a scapegoat for anything that happens in the future. So by 
leaking this thing on Wuhan by the like obviously like now we trust the FBI coming out on this like we don't trust the FBI and other hypotheticals but now they're coming out with Wuhan this has to be real we're coming out with this and this is the answer to all of our problems and it all started in Wuhan and now you'll never think about terrain theory again you won't think about 5g and the fucking like fake trees that they keep putting up that are supposed to look like real trees but are really 5g towers let's see it's funny that gates said the pandemic would end in 2023 this dude is a psychic about everything in addition to being like literally fucking nothing else Remember what the CNN employees said on one of the Project Veritas date setups. They will stop focusing on COVID and move on to climate change. This is all a plan with different phases. COVID did exactly what it was supposed to do. It made reality subjective and changeable at the whim of a few quote-unquote authority figures. It further eroded sovereignty and gave power to outside agencies like the World Health Organization. It got the public used to scarcity and supply chain issues. It pushed a socialist worldview that the community needs are more important than your individual freedom. If you want freedom, you are selfish. It set a precedent that the government could declare businesses and other organizations essential or non-essential on a fucking whim. It got medical establishments to fall in line to one set protocol that the protocol that they were not allowed to question or deviate from this is a big one this alone has the potential to kill on a world scale i mean it was an exercise it was an exercise in control on levels upon levels upon levels and uh i think Everything now is about this like shelter in place, it seems. It's about locking you down, keeping you on your ass, on the couch, consuming very much in that like Wally type way. Because like I think you can see it now with the way that the narrative is shifting with all these fucking like train derailments, planes, trains, and automobiles going down. And it just seems so fucking contrived. It seems so intentional, you know? Because in my opinion, like, if they can't lock us down this way, like, they've got, they want to figure out a different way. So what better way to do it than to, like, the sky is falling, little chicken, or chicken little, you know, that... The, the sky, the air has become so toxic that, like, you could not even consider leaving your house at this point. That's what, like, all of these these derailments, especially with the ones that have, like, chemical attachments to it, seem to be just, like, little tiny breadcrumbs that are going to be building blocks into some narrative about the water supply, the air supply, the need to just shelter in place. In addition to that, I think that they are... I just saw a weird headline come in and it messed my thought up. I think they're also cranking it up harp-wise by manipulating the weather in other ways. For example, 
Big Bear, California is seeing, I think, more snow than it's seen in a great deal of time. The people there have been ordered to shelter in place. Where's my little note on that? They're trapped in their homes. Like, they can't leave. I just think that weather manipulation... Like, climate change is, like, one of the literal biggest overarching psyops that, like, governments use on a grand scale, on an individual scale... Think it's like one of the biggest money laundering schemes in the entire world ever perpetuated like fucking carbon credits. Like, are you kidding me? They just roll and roll and roll in fucking money and call it a fucking climate change issue. It's crazy. It is crazy, y'all. Know what I mean? Anyways, the narrative is shifting. It's on brand to be conspiratorial, I think. I think that's the new wave. And I think that we, and especially newly, like, NPCs that are waking up, we've got to be, like, very cognizant about to whom you are consuming, like, the content you are consuming, and... Have a very watchful eye for people that you used to like and how they're going to shift because I think that this is becoming like cool, if you will. Last thought on this, I think I looked up the statistic and there's at least a thousand perhaps, maybe 1500 train derailments per year. In addition to that, it also made me consider all of the like breadcrumbs and stories that we continue to see about different food distribution places and there's like food places in general being destroyed. I don't necessarily mean to call them distribution. I know that there are more manufacturers, distribution, transportation places, all of these things being intentionally destroyed and an attempt to be completely objective and not like balls deep conspiratorial all the time like can I take a step back and look at this and say that this is some sort of like bicosm of the 24-hour news cycle and because I'm tuned in and plugged in and everything is connected and everything is news news I was thinking of news and loosh everything is news Am I just hyper aware of these things? Like, you know me, I'm going to tell you that there's no such thing as a coincidence. But like, is there truly, like, are these the breadcrumbs to some sort of larger narrative? Does this shit happen all the time and we're just hyper fixated and focusing too much, like, of our time on it? Is it kind of all of the things and, like, it is a breadcrumb? But it's also meant to like distract us and have us hyper fixated. I don't know. These are just like the things I consider when I try to like go down the rabbit hole and also like not go down the rabbit hole at the same time because I love the rabbit hole. Like it is my home, but you do have to like, unfortunately, like breathe and exist in the 3D world at the same time. And Sharpening those tools of discernment for me are just, you know, the important thing to consider when evaluating like anything 
that exists out there that we consume in some sort of way. Any kind of information that is presented to us other than our own per se. Chafil me? Chafil me. Okay. I'm going to try to keep this under two hours. We're right at like an hour and a half-ish right now. So let's shift the narrative. You guys got to let me know how you feel about the timing of the podcast as well. Like, would you prefer this to be in like a 60-minute format or... Do you really give a fuck? Because at this point, aren't you just going to like listen to it and pause it and then come back and finish it no matter what the length? Do you get turned off if you see something that's like three hours in nature? I don't know. I would really love it. Love it. I was listening to a podcast and they had like a dear so-and-so segment. Like what if we had a little dear Maria segment and... You could write something in and I could keep it anonymous. You could ask for a little advice. You know, you could record yourself in some sort of audio message and either email that to me. You could also do it in the Instagram DMs, which is obviously a very easy way to convey that type of message I was considering today. You could send me an audio message that I could play on air and that could have any sort of question. I mean, these don't necessarily have to be advice segments per se, but you could ask me something we could talk about. You could give me a particular like subject matter and question to discuss. I just think a little participation from you would be nice and I would appreciate it so much. So, you know, if you got a little five minutes, perhaps, and you're thinking about your girl, maybe send a little something, something my way and I can use it in the next episode of the podcast. I thought that would be fun. Okay. Let's tell some terrible dating stories. I keep elevating my voice and Peyton looks at me thinking I'm done. Soon, baby bunny. So fucking soon we'll be done. Okay. So I got to tell you about the choir boy that I went on a date with. Where do I begin? I think I talked about some of this somewhere else. Maybe in one of my little lives on Let's Be Blunt. But... I met this guy. I'm not going to go all the way back to like date one and date two. I just want to like hit you with some highlights. I went on a third date. I know. I know. I know. I pulled the class after the second one. I knew I shouldn't have gone. But your girl is lonely and I'm looking for love. And I was trying to see if opposites attract. And I wanted to go for the plot. And I did. And it was just more fucking ridiculous, you guys. So let me give a little bit of a backstory. Um, I, th- we went out for one drink the first time and I'm not drinking still. Oh, I didn't finish that with my health talk earlier. Okay, very briefly. Your girl's so AD- ADHD, I know. But what was I talking about before? Oh, working out. I started moving my body again in January. I have been sober since January 1st. No longer drinking. Haven't felt compelled to do it at all either. I'm still uh, California sober, smoking a little bit, but I have decreased that significantly as well. I'm mouth taping at the same time. I fucking love mouth taping. If you don't know anything about it, I have a safe story on my Instagram profile. You can check it out. And yeah, that's my health stuff, healthy stuff I've been doing. So let me circle back. Okay. We went out for a drink. I didn't have a drink. And then 
we went out for a date and I should have known. These are just observations. It's an interesting time to like be a woman dating because I am like a southern, a good old southern girl and I expect a great deal of chivalry and just like in that same kind of gender role discussion that we were talking about. At the same time, it's 2023 and you worry about the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world. So we went out to dinner on the second date and he did not on none of the three times that we got together, he has not offered to come pick me up. Now he lives in East Nashville. I live in like a suburb that's like 15 minutes away from him. It's really not that far, but people act like it's really far away. And so I don't necessarily want him to come pick me up. And that's like the weird, just like juxtaposition, juxtaposition of being like a smart like Southern Belle in the 2023 world is that like, I want you to offer to come pick me up, but depending on the situation, like I enjoy having my own vehicle so that I can leave when I want to leave, you know, which came in handy on the third date. Anyways, he invites me to go out to dinner somewhere in East Nashville. So he assumes that I should come to him. He doesn't offer to come pick me up. And that was just like observation one. I didn't want you to come pick me up, but I want you to ask, you know? So I go to his house and then we get into his car and drive to the restaurant that's not that far away. Y'all, it was a restaurant like on a busy street. So there are only maybe like four or five spots in, if that, in the very front, because this restaurant is like just off this main street in East Nashville. Two of those spots in the very front, I believe, are handicapped. So he pulls around like right in front. There's kind of like people coming and going. There's like somebody that's trying to back out, somebody trying to pull in. There's nowhere to park in the front. It's just like, it's very awkward because you're also backing out, pulling off into this main street and there's a Publix not like a block and a half away caddy corner there's parking on like either side of the building I am the one that has heels on I'm the one that should like care obviously I don't care and he says something about parking and I'm like why don't you just like go park at Publix like it's not a big deal like I don't mind at all what you should have done is offered for me to get out right there and then you park the car but uh, he pulls into the handicap spot and he goes, do you think it's okay if I park here? And he was looking for more, I think, of like a am I going to get towed situation. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, I don't really think they're probably going to like call and get you towed. But this is just more of like a, a bad juju type situation for me. So I don't think you should park here. This, excuse me, is when I said, why don't you just park across the street at Publix? It's not that far. He grumbles and he says something like, if only we had my mom's card, we could park here. And I wanted to say, well, choir boy, you're missing the fucking point if that's like what you have for me right now. 
I don't need your mom's handicap card, which I've Googled your mom and done a fucking deep dive on you. And I know everything there is to know about you. And I've seen the pictures of your mom and she does not need a handicap placard to my understanding, just based on observation. (laughs) Anyways, stalker girl, I digress back to it. It was just like nothing has like dried me up faster than you complaining about like like you like literally like the least alpha you could ever possibly be is commenting on how you wish you had your mommy's card so that you could park in a handicapped spot so you didn't have to walk too far because you're a big tired piece of shit okay we immediately walk into the restaurant and it has this cool hearth this cool grill this cool bar and I love sitting at the bar that is my jam I could sit at the bar for the rest of my life even with like the love of my life they uh take our name they walk us to our seats they're at the bar and this guy goes uh yeah this isn't gonna work I hate sitting at the bar and I was like oh or he was like this isn't gonna work and I thought maybe he was saying like oh it's because it's a first date we need to sit at a table. And I looked at him. And I was like, no, 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 don't worry. I love the bar. I would love to sit here. He was like, oh, no, I hate it. It hurts my knee. I'll never sit at the bar. This is our second date. And in that moment, I literally knew it was never going to work. And I tell you all this all the time that normally I, I say in the first five minutes, I know if it could ever work. But within like the first five minutes of this date, it was like, oh shit. Like, and it seemed so silly. And of course my mother was like, Maria, this is something you could teach. And honestly, I don't want to teach anybody, you know, like I've talked about my, my, what am I trying to say? Moldable balls of clay balls. I don't want to teach anyone. I don't want to have to teach you that you like want to sit at the bar. Like that's either within you or it's without you. And I knew in that moment that we would never work. And I should have just walked out the door, but I didn't have my car. Here we are. I suffered through that date and it was okay. And then I decided to do a third date mostly for the plot also because I believe in love and I was just like trying to do things differently than I normally do also I never get asked out on dates so there's that y'all I fucking again the first 10 minutes of this date so I come over there he doesn't offer to get me again And originally we were going to some like fancy restaurant. I think Margo. I had a long day in court and I'm on my way back. Uh, Court was like 40 minutes away. And I told him, I was like, let's just do something casual. Like I'm not in the mood to like go home and do my makeup again and get ready. Like, can we just go eat some like good, dirty Mexican? Like that sounds amazing. And he was really excited about that. I get over to his place, we get in the car, and the audio turns on. Who is singing Josh 
Groban. Now, this is a brand new car. It's a 2022 fancy, it's like really some gay Mercury SUV. Not sexy at all. But, um, you know, it's got the whole serious setup, it seems. And I've got XM radio. So I thought to myself, all right, Josh Groban. This is either a very intentional selection or perhaps he's just on easy listening on Sirius and Groban just happens to be the individual playing at this time. So I'm like, don't judge. You guys know me. My favorite fucking question to ask an individual is if you could only listen to two songs for the rest of time, what would they be? And then people bitch. And then I allow you to give me four. But this is my favorite thing to ask because I feel as though I get to peer into your soul with the selections in which you make. I feel as though I have a very fantastic taste in music. And so it's my favorite thing to ask. Josh Groban. Okay. Could this just be a serious, you know, easy listening We're going to go from here. Don't judge him yet, Maria. Not just yet. The song changes. It's another Josh Groban. And then and there, I should have just opened the fucking door to that Mercury SUV and rolled into the ditch and saved myself a night of it's not, it wasn't misery, but it was still fucking awful. I should have just fucking stopped, dropped, and rolled. But I didn't. I didn't. And you know what happened next? He started singing Josh Groban. Now, if I ever sing in front of you, I really like you. And y'all, sometimes I want to sing here. And I know it is not good I love you. I'm real comfortable with you. I just, sometimes it just flies on off. I know it's bad. I also don't listen to my podcast most of the time, so I don't have to worry about it. But in person, I am love to sing. I'll fucking belt it out. I'll let it rip. But, like, I got to know you. I'm a little shy at first. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> so... He isn't just like belting it though. He's just singing a little like like just kind of like here and there and picking and choosing. And I thought to myself, you motherfucker, you are doing this intentionally right now and you want me to say something about your choir skills and old choir boy. No, 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 no. I'm not playing that game with you. No, sir, re Bob. But I just sit there and I observe like I always do. And he asked me if I like Josh Groban. And I'm like, uh, I don't know that. I, it's not that I don't like him. It's just that I've, I've not never gone out of my way to play a song. Uh, but I don't necessarily think I would turn him off if he was on. I'm trying to be nice about it. <laughs> so. He says there's two Mexican restaurants and the one he wants to go to is a little nicer than a dirty Mexican place as I reference. So let's try that first. It's a little farther out. So we get there and we pull up and it's a little busy. As restaurants are on Friday nights, no big deal. 
<coughs> I'm sorry. But y'all, there was the restaurant and there was like parking on the right hand side and in the front. And then there was like a whole like line on the left hand side of cars. And we pull up and it's very busy. You can't find a spot. But there are two spots open in the very middle, right in front. And what were they? They were handicapped. And did he make another handicap reference? Maria, you're going to say, tell me he didn't. Tell me this man did not say something again about handicapped parking. That's not possible. No one could be that fucking stupid and lazy and aloof and privileged. But he did. He fucking did. He pulls up, he looks around, there's not a space to park in sight. There eventually is some behind uh, the restaurant that we can't see yet at this time. And you know what this motherfucker says? He goes, you know, I wish there was a rule that if all the spots were taken, it's okay for you to park in the handicapped spot. And... I just, like, I thought to myself, like, it's not possible that you made another handicapped reference on our third date. It's really not possible. Did this just happen? Yes, it did. How am I here? (laughs) I just, I was like, okay, I'm done. You knew you were done before, Maria, but you fucking done, son. Okay, this ain't it. This ain't happening. You're not kissing him. We are done here. Make it through dinner, May Day. It's time to get the fuck out. Is it possible for this to get stranger and a little worse? Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) Now, you want to know what grinds my gears some more? Well, people just, uh, as an attorney, I find that from time to time, people just like don't respect kind of boundaries in my time. And being a lawyer is almost like just a part of my personality at this point. So I don't like to fucking talk shop uh, after five o'clock. And I like make it a point to like work on my mental health and like not live on this kind of like 24 hour oh my god somebody can contact me at any time but without fail everywhere I go every party I go somebody comes up to me and is like hey can I uh, run this hypothetical by you real quick and you give me your opinion and it just grinds my gears you want to know the second thing that grinds my gears about a law degree is the individual who comes oh how did that I didn't ever Sometimes I feel like the sound just gets turned on on my phone and I literally never turn it on. Okay. Anyways, you want to know what otherwise grinds my gears about the legal profession? The individual who will say to me, you know, I really thought about becoming an attorney because I'm really good at arguing. (laughs) Okay, sure, Jan. So I was having one of those moments with the choir boy and uh, he was like, yeah, I thought about going to law school. I took the LSAT. I really like to argue. Just kind of not asking me questions, but like taking a subject matter about me and like making it about him. And we were having conversation 
And uh, so I was starting to say something to him about, you know, I'm not in a place necessarily where I'm loving litigation, but if anything, I appreciate the way that law school just like changed the way that I consider the world, changed the way that I think about things, just like my entire perspective. I'm grateful for that insight, uh, that knowledge, that depth. And he's trying to get me to explain it more. And I'm, I'm kind of saying like, it's this certain like je ne sais quoi. Like I can't exactly explain it. It's just the way I observe and the way I take in the world is very intentional and different. I, I can't explain it. And so I start, I wanted to have this, like I was asking him something about like talking about personality test. And I was going to comment to him. My intention with the conversation was talking about, oh, he's so fucking corporate and I just can't take it. And so I was going to ask him, like, what's your opinion on personality tests? Do you have to take those a lot in the corporate world? Because everyone's always like, I'm an ENTP or whatever the fuck they mean. And I, when I take a personality test, I can recognize the pattern in the test And then my mind goes to a place where it's trying to determine (coughs) like what, how I want to answer this, like what answer am I attempting to like make myself instead of like actually just being like truthful and honest in the question. I just like, it becomes too intellectual to me and it's like more of a game. So I was going to ask him about like, have this kind of conversation with him. And he was like, Oh, I had to take a personality test when I got kicked out of high school and he was like oh I've been meaning to I told you I wanted to tell you this story it's so fucking funny about how I got kicked out of high school so I'm like smiling okay like tell it to me and he was like well have I ever told you that I was in choir (laughs) and I was like you know what this is an example of uh, just a little perception exercise that I would have, you know, picked up in law school. I was like, you've never told me that um, you were in show choir in high school, but if there had been a gun to my head, like, yes, I would have known that. I would have been able to guess that about you. And he's like, oh, how did you know that? I'm like, well, you got Josh Groban on. You really like Josh Groban on. And then you started singing unprompted. And you made no comment about it. And you continued to like riff a little bit. And I was like, in that moment, I knew that you were a choir boy. And he just thinks this is hilarious. I'm like, that's just a slight observation. Like, it's not that deep, but I noted that about you. I'm observing everything all the time. And that's uh, kind of like a finding a fact I would have made in my brain. Or finding a fact I kind of did make in my brain. So he's like, well, when I was in high school... I was in show choir and we were doing a dress rehearsal and in my high school there was like one large room in which all the boys would put on their tuxes and like one large room in which the girls would get ready and I um for some reason there was a female in with us while we were changing and he was like and I flashed her and got in trouble And I said, oh, like, you showed her your ass. And he was like, no, I flashed my dick at her. And I just kind of, like, stopped and stared at him, like, oh. 
and he's laughing and it's so funny and um he's like I just don't get like blah, blah, I like he just still what how long ago was it like 20 years later a little less than 20 years later this motherfucker like still is um defending the fact that he like put his dick in some girl's face and it's the funniest thing he ever did he was like yeah so uh I got kicked out of high school and I don't understand like I didn't really think it was that big of a deal but uh everybody was really worried about me so as a condition to getting back into school I had to um go talk to a therapist and part of the thing the therapist did was uh, issue a personality test. But I only had to talk to that therapist one time. They knew that there was nothing wrong with me. And uh, when my personality test got back, it indicated that I had absolutely no shame. And that, you know what that psychologist said to my parents or therapist or whatever it was? He was like, this is why he did that. He's got no shame. And he's just like smiling and laughing and I'm like you still don't see why like I get it you still don't see why this is problematic like 20 years later like this is so cringe like please don't ever tell this story again (laughs) anyways can you believe there's individuals that exist like this in the world I can't I sure can't if you know me you know, I love nachos and nachos are like a food group for me. And on one of my little breaks that I took when I was chatting with you, I ordered myself some nachos and they are about to arrive. My dearest, I just buzzed in the driver. So this was fun. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. Welcome back to the audio only Listeners, I'm so sorry that I neglected you for so long, but I love you. Let's do this again sometime soon. Thank you so much for listening to the My Maria 777 podcast. This is your fearless leader, host, conspiratorial extraordinaire. I don't even know what I'm fucking saying. Uh, Listen, like, subscribe. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all podcast apps except for Spotify. I am now on Rumble. Rumble. Please follow me there. Uh, YouTube, a fuck of you. Spotify, a fuck of you. If you made it this far, you're what I consider an elite member of the class. Show your solidarity to me. Let me know that you listened to this episode by taking the following emoji and putting it somewhere out into the universe. So I know that you listened to this episode. All right, what are we going to do? Okay, since I'm having some nachos, why don't you give me a little taco action? So I want the taco or I want the stethoscope. Taco, stethoscope. Let me know that you listened to this episode. I fucking love you. Slide in my DMs. Send me some audio message. Write me a dear Maria. 
tell me if you liked this episode. I need some words of affirmation since there's no man in my life to pump me up. I miss you. I love you. I'm going to try to do this again this week. If not, I will talk to you soon. I love you. Goodbye.